Hi, friends. Welcome to the Connected Families podcast. I'm Stacey Bellward, your host. This podcast is here to guide you towards God's grace and truth for you so that you can pass God's grace and truth on to your children. Well, every so often, someone asks us what the name Connected Families really means. And we tell them this. We say a connected family is connected to God connected to each other, and connected to their purposes in this world. Well, in today's podcast, Jim and Lynn Jackson, co-founders of Connected Families, join me to talk about this description and how we can understand it and how can we practically apply it. So welcome, Jim. Hi. Hi, Lynn. Welcome. Hi there. Great to have you guys here. Lynn's already absorbed in her thoughts about what she wants to say about this deep topic. (laughs) About this phrase. Well, I want to know where it came from. Yeah, yeah. It was here before I started working, you know, ages ago, but... Who wrote it? Phrase. Yeah. I mean, in the genius of our quirky relationship, we <laughs> co-created it somehow. I have no idea. Actually, God used the two of us. I'm sure I came up with an idea that was incomplete. Uh-huh. And then Lynn looked at it and she overcompleted it and, and sent it back to me. Uh-huh. And then we together refined it until we were both happy. That's kind of how we do everything That's we do. That's how we roll. And, it is. It is and there might have even been a disagreement, a spirit of disagreement in there along the way. They I don't know. They to work out, usually. <laughs> yeah. Now it's a phrase, a byline. Yeah. Well, so the idea of connection came to us early in our work at Connected Families. Our organization actually wasn't called Connected Families at first. It was called Cross Generation. We changed it a little while later, but there was some research that came out a year or two afterwards. It was called Hardwired to Connect, and we've referenced it before on our podcast. But just this notion of connection, whereby you know two people have sort of this fluid, meaningful, warm, valuable dynamic between them, and that's connection. But you know, for us, connection to God had to be the center of all of what we're here to talk about about mm-hmm. because we just believe that any connection that we have in love with other people, uh, we're able to do because God first loved us, right? Right. Well, I mean, that kind of leads me to sort of my first question as I dissect it. And am I to understand that sentence to be like three steps, like step one, step two, step three, or is it three layers? Does it all work together? Kind of like I'm thinking Olympic mm. circles, you know yeah, what a, I mean? A Venn diagram, or, sure. Uh, yeah. That's, like, I mean, that's what I was thinking. What do you think, Lynn? I was thinking Venn diagram. I'm thinking and it's just really fluid okay. and one feeds the other and back again. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it would be circular. Sure. It would be, mm-hmm. There's no first, there's no last, there's no middle. It's just, yeah, all these things work together to form a connected family. Yeah. Right. Well, I kind of accept that you just said your relationship with God kind of is first as sure. we see it. Sure, in terms of a priority, but in terms sure. of how I think about it on a day-to-day basis. Okay, yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, I think you got me because I think that even then, like Lynn and I both start our days with Jesus. Yeah. And for most most of our married lives in different ways, that's yeah. been true about both of us. I'm a little more random than she is. but <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, we're going to get there because she's experienced <laughs> it. But that is where, what I want to do with this podcast today is yeah. let's, let's pull apart. Like how have we gone after being intentional about our connection with God? Mm-hmm. our connection with each other and our connection with our purposes yeah. in this world. And so I just thought maybe the three of us could talk about that and how we've been intentional yeah. in these three areas. I love what we're kind of calling this podcast Families on Purpose is mm-hmm. sort of the theme of what we're doing today. And so that's the heart of it. So that's that's the first area that I'd like to go to, which is how have we been intentional to be more connected to God? So mm-hmm. you asked that collectively, but is, is the question... Jim, how do you do that? Sure. Lynn, how do you do that? Stacy, how do you do that? Probably is individual and some together. No, it, it, you're right. Mm-hmm. 
I think that that just our sense of God's love for us, both in the big picture and in our daily routines, and then just in that immediate moment, is really the the foundation for being connected to another human being. Because it keeps us out of manipulation and it keeps us out into, in real relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. So if there's conflict, like I just was thinking the other day of, you know, if we run into conflict with each other, it's my selfishness running into his selfishness. I'm responsible for mine. So Lord, shine the light on mine with that light light of your love so I can bear to look at it so that I can admit what I'm doing and come into that relationship. And, and that's usually fresh. what it takes for me to say the same prayers. <laughs> I see Lynn, uh, and that's not totally true, but it, but it is true. I mean, in many ways, you know, it's this dance of humility of pointing the finger inward first. But I mean, even more pragmatically than that, Stacy, you ask, how do we keep our connection with God alive? And I'm going to answer just for me to start. Mm-hmm. I keep my connection with God alive, A, by looking at scripture verses every day. Yeah. And I read, you know, various different things come my way. And I, I've never been a very systematic person, but I've learned that when I start my day just with a quick scripture reading, and now I actually like what's this app, uh, the Version Bible, they've just started having a little mini preacher go with it. So every day there's like a three-minute sermon that accompanies the verse. And I like to listen to that. And then I go to the chapter and I look at the verse and I and I imagine being present in it. And, and I really do try to make, you know, time to read the scriptures in a way that I can enter into the story. Or maybe even a different way to say it is so that I can let God enter into my story. That that sort of sets a reflective tone for my day. And it doesn't take, mm-hmm. I mean, some days I do that in five minutes or less. Mm-hmm. And some days I spend a half hour or more and then I research some of the things and, and look at different stuff. You know, nature has always been a really important thing for me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, when I feel the call to be out in the wild, you know, it's easy to sort of worship the nature, but to recognize God's presence and God's creative artwork all around me. And and even if it's walking the streets of a neighborhood that's all configured and probably 90% of the trees are planted, it's still, I've got a garden in my backyard that I love to work on and, yeah. and make a sort of an expression of understanding the creative work of God in my own life. Mm-hmm. Connecting with God looks so different for each person, doesn't it? Yeah. And it can, it can come out of our different personalities and our different temperaments. And there's, there's just been a lot of freedom, I think, in yeah. the last mm-hmm. decades that there is freedom freedom in yeah. that. It doesn't have to look like the prescribed, you know, mm-hmm. wake up in the morning and do devotions and before bed. And For sure. It has to be every day. And um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a mentor once ashamed that I didn't do it like other people. And he had given me a program, you know, that, to go yeah. through and fill in yeah. the blanks. And it was called discipleship. And yeah. for a lot of men, he, he did this process and it was very meaningful and life-giving to those people. And I went through it and I felt like there was something wrong with me because I kind of despised it and it just felt like homework I didn't want to do and mm-hmm. had to do because I meeting with this guy on Thursday morning. And so I I told him, I said, that's how I feel. And he's like, you know, then for you, it'll be different. And that's okay. And what permission as a young Mm -hmm. man to be given to to not have to do it the way everybody else does it. Right. Yeah. To find your way. But it's, I mean, we have to say it's important to find your way. That's why we're spending time talking about this. Absolutely, yeah. Um, because it doesn't just happen. No connection mm-hmm. with anything really just happens. We have to be intentional yep. about it. I love Bible study, and I've learned how to study the yeah, Bible. I was going to ask about you <laughs> because you that's your one of your passions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it takes time. 
mm-hmm. for me, the way that I do it. Mm-hmm. And the more that I've learned to do it, and the more I've learned to dig out of the word, things that give me life, knowledge about God, I get closer to him because I understand him, then I can trust him more. Yeah. And I, I really love in the Old Testament in Exodus, it talks about God's ways, God's ways, I think of in terms of his verbs, his actions. And I want to study the Bible to learn God's actions because then I, I know him more. So when I mm. need him on a daily basis, I can pray to a God that I know. What mm-hmm. does God do mm-hmm. and how do I recognize it? Yeah, because yeah. that's his character. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And Stacy, it's okay. Give a plug for your Bible study. Oh, you're kind. Yeah, I wrote a Bible study and did an online course. It's called Big5BibleStudy.com. Big5. Yeah. Number the or big word? Big5. The number. The number. Big5BibleStudy. Yep. BibleStudy.com. Yes. We're yeah. proud of our We Stacey. are proud of Stacy. Oh. It was transformational for me when I really began to look at how did Jesus parent his disciples and how did Paul love the churches he planted? Because they both referred to them as their children. So bringing this connected to God into a, a real specific intersection with our parenting, that was huge for me. And it just set me free to focus on grace and mentoring and discipleship instead of behavior management. So what I'm hearing from you, Lynn, is that your relationships around you and sort of what you saw as the, your need made you run to God. Mm-hmm, for sure. And it gave me confidence to turn away from demanding, controlling, critical parenting. And that was a huge process. It didn't happen with one nice little Bible study, but that was key for me in transforming my parenting. So what I know about you is that you're super disciplined and that seems like you would have been really intentional about your times studying the word or in prayer. So in those early years when your relationships with your kids, you were struggling. (laughs) (laughs) Stressed. You were stressed and your kids were little. How were you intentional to run to God? Like, what did that actually look like when, you know, a mom with kids that young has half a second free Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the day? It looked like bits and pieces and just little thoughts here and there during the day sometimes and talking with friends. And it was much more haphazard, Yeah, but it was still precious. Sometimes there was just a few key scriptures that were enough to just really bring deep insight about what was going on between me and the kids. That's good. Yeah, I think sort of what my mentor told me early on was, Jim, my effort with you isn't going to be to take you through the program. It's going to be to help you figure out what works for you. Mm Mm-hmm to draw closer to God, to experience God's drawing close to you. And then how can I help you be accountable to do whatever that thing is more? Mm -hmm. Do it more. Find what works and do it more, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, we talk about that as it relates to parenting, but Mm -hmm. it really is a good adage for a lot of different parts of our lives. Mm -hmm. Discover what works for you because you're unique. You're uniquely made. You're fearfully, wonderfully made. You've got your way. Others have got their way. Figure out what it is and then just do it more. Keep Mm -hmm. doing it. And as you do it more, you discover nuances. It becomes more of a habit. You know, I would have never thought when I was 30 that I would have a habit of daily Bible reading ever in my whole life. <laughs> yeah. But as I just little by little yeah. did did Bible study the way it worked for me, mm-hmm. it became more natural and appealing and sort of more normal to do. Yeah. yeah. Let's go to break. After break, we're going to talk about the two other sections of our phrase connected to each other and connected to our purposes in this world. Did you know that Connected Families is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry? We were founded nearly 20 years ago by Jim and Lynn Jackson 
and we truly couldn't reach the families we do, giving the encouragement and the support we are able to give without our donor team. Many of you listening today are on our donor team. And first of all, thank you. Your generosity allows us to continue recording these podcasts. We are also able to create new resources like the Parenting Your Sensitive and Intense Child online course that we hope to release in 2022. Well, we have a big year-end goal of $250,000. To continue impacting, encouraging, and equipping parents with God's grace and truth, we need your support. If you aren't yet on our donor team, please consider joining with a year-end donation. No gift is too small and all gifts are appreciated. And of course, if you have the resources to support families in a substantial way, we would absolutely love to chat. Fill out the contact us form on our website and our executive director, Anna Brosh, will be in touch with you. Well, whether you are able to give $5 or $5,000, every dollar matters. Thank you. All right. Well, Jim and Lynn, we're back from the break and we're discussing this phrase that we use around here at Connected Families, that a connected family is connected to God, which we covered before the break, connected to each other and to their purposes in the world. So we have two of those sections to cover now. So let's go into connected to each other. I know that we talk a lot about this here at Connected Families. It is our name after all. (laughs) It is our name. We have online courses about it, lots of podcast episodes and blog posts on our website. So I kind of like to just get a little bit more personal about it. How have we been intentional to grow connection in our families? I think it's important to look at this in two layers. One is how do we connect deeply with each individual child? Because that's really the foundation for empowering them to connect well with each other. And then how do we strategically build that connection among siblings? So it's it's not just one mm-hmm. question. There's really two parts to it. It bears a definition of how we understand connection too. To, to connect with someone or something is to, is to know, to love, to enjoy, mm-hmm. even to celebrate that mm-hmm. thing. So when you think about, you know, connected to God, knowing, loving, enjoying, celebrating my relationship with God, knowing, loving, enjoying, celebrating my relationship with the people in my home, and then knowing, loving, and celebrating the stuff that God has given us to do in the world, mm-hmm. it just can't help but bring, when we think about it that way, sort of this this ethos of joy to all mm-hmm. the stuff. Yeah. Like, it's our job to know and love and enjoy this. And, and when this is Lynn, then Lynn and I work to connect and we work to know and love and enjoy each other. When it's a child, we work to know and love and enjoy a child. When it's the whole group of us, we create experiences that are fun, that are memorable, that engage our kids in the planning, in the, in the execution, in in the using of their gifts to mm-hmm. go camping or to make a meal or to serve a sibling who's sick or to serve a neighbor together or, you know, whatever it might be, to just sort of bring a spirit of, of joy to that mm-hmm. is what creates connection in the context of being together with our families that way as opposed to, all right, it's time to bring, you know, dinner to the neighbor because she's sick or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so whose turn is it today? Uh-huh. Well, you know, it's like yeah. it's just a whole exuberance that we worked really hard to keep to life in our home. Because there was plenty of crazy, disconnected times. So we were very intentional in those non-conflict times Mm -hmm. to to be building that connection. I know, Jim, you love 
personality assessments <laughs> just from working at Connected Families. And it strikes me that knowing out of the know, like, and enjoy, knowing we're celebrating then our kids' unique giftedness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So thinking in terms of like those personality assessments, I know when when my kids started going through like Enneagram, doing some of those at school, that was such a bonding thing mm. because they had finally come to an age where yeah, you could start to really see their different bends. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you, you can usually tell if a kid's introverted or extroverted, but, you know, to get deeper than that, because we looked at our family like, hey, we are all just so different and we're going to celebrate that. Mm-hmm. I would like to learn more from you about what made that fun, because I've heard parents say, you know, well, I did the assessment and I figured out that my child is a this. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter which assessment it is. And some of the assessments tell you, don't nail somebody else. Just nail yourself on this one. Like, oh, okay. understand you and let your let the others discover themselves and enlighten you about what they've discovered. Yeah. But you made it fun. It was fun at your house. So it say was more about fun. That. I think that's part of, you know, I'm a trained leadership coach. So we use these as tools, assessments mm-hmm. as tools. So it was the it was sort of the fodder for a conversation. Yeah. Do you agree with that? So, you know, this assessment mm-hmm. says that you're this. What do you think is true or not true about that? Yeah, I think that's important. I, I think that's one of the things like, oh, I just I just looked at this survey and I know my kid is one of these. Mm-hmm. And so right. then there's like yeah. almost a judgment yeah. that forms. And sometimes that, that assessment is born out of the difficulties that we're having with our kids. And, yeah. you know, interestingly, that assessment is maybe accurate, but it's accurate in the context of, of undesired versus desired sorts of ways of acting. And so it, yeah. we just got to be careful not to carry judgment it's with true. that if we're, right. if we're starting to, to evaluate. But I love that, you know, you did that and it was an open conversation and we laughed about it. It's like about noticing versus trying to, you know, just pigeonhole pigeonhole yeah. or yeah. put kids in a box. Yeah. So the thing that I relate to in this conversation is just kind of finding out you know, the love languages thing is so popular, but yeah. it, it doesn't have to be in these five boxes. It's like we stopped and, and asked our kids, so what do I do that makes you most feel loved by me? Mm. And we really didn't know how they were going to answer. And the three of them answered in such different ways. Our youngest said snuggling. Because it took him a long time to work through tactile sensitivities to where he would snuggle. And then he was making up for lost times. (laughs) So he said snuggling. Our daughter said special dates. Mm -hmm. And our oldest son said mercy when I blow it. Mm -hmm. And so that just showed us. So he wasn't asking to be let off the hook. Mm -hmm. But he just wanted to know we loved him so much Mm -hmm. when he blew it. And we were for him and for his growth. Mm -hmm. So asking that question might be just like your action point from this podcast is I want to ask my kids that question. What do I do that most makes you feel loved by me? Because I want to know that and do that more. I know from you guys that you have always had a beautiful fire pit area in your backyard. And you're kind of like the gather around the fire family. We're the the fireplace people. (laughs) Yeah. Fire pit people. (laughs) That must have been intentional. Oh, very intentional. We recently purchased a home and the A primary criteria, in fact, we wouldn't buy a home if there wasn't a place out back to put a nice fire pit mm-hmm. that would you know be sort of semi-nature and, and yeah. a beautiful sort of a setting. I love to dive into this, how we build connections as a family. But Stacy, I know you have important things to say about <laughs> connecting with individual kids. So just give us a couple of highlights of the Stacy Bellward manual on connecting with individual children. <laughs> 
my goodness. That was too much of a setup, Linda. A manual on it. I don't know about that. And for thirty nine ninety five, you are going to be able to get this resource as soon as we develop it. I think what I am feeling at this stage in my parenting with my junior and senior in high school. Oh. I know. That's very sobering. But... I feel like I've done a lot of my talking and my chances for talking are getting smaller and smaller. I say talking, I actually mean telling. And so there's there's a lot of opportunities nowadays in their world, in our world together for me to overhear even conversations or for them to react about something they hear even on the news or something that happened at school. And for me to really want to tell because I feel strongly (laughs) about that thing. Mm -hmm. And I am constantly going back to this idea of long-term influence. And Mm. I'm working to parent them over the long term. So what that means, like really practically for me, just recently, right, my daughter is having a conversation with a friend that I'm overhearing on the phone. And they're talking about the boys at school. And they had overheard them talking about nasty things and, you know, nastiness. And oh, my goodness, I wanted to just, you know, like, hey, you know, have this talk and react right away. But I knew that as I react and you the, to do some telling, I needed to do some telling. Yes. But I Sounds can't do great. telling. I have to hold that back and wait for a moment when I know that they're receptive because my quick reactions are going to take some relational clout. Is that how you say that? Well, or it'll, it'll cost you. It'll, it'll cost, cost you relationally me. to react and to do your telling, yeah. you know, and you shouldn't be and you ought not. And why don't you do or it's the stuff, especially as parents or as kids get into their teen years, you know, parents tend to keep telling them as if they were six-year-olds or mm-hmm. eight-year-olds mm-hmm. or even 10-year-olds mm-hmm. at some level. And you're suggesting the time for that was when they were single digits and maybe a little beyond. And yeah. now as they're double digit and teens, yeah. it's more of a time to, to pause, to wait, and to to what? Be praying and talking to the Lord all the time about how how to have a wise word, how to grow their wisdom around Mm -hmm. it, which means that I need to be really careful about knowing how to say what I need to say and when to say what I need to say. So have you said anything yet about this conversation you told us about? I did. So what words came to you? I told them that I had heard a statistic about porn and I ask them what their experience was that at school and how they, you know, how they're experiencing it. That's Mm -hmm. what I said. So what's it like to be you in this dilemma, Mm -hmm. in this challenge? That's what I asked them. What are you deciding? Uh What a great place to start. Very inquisitive and curious. Yep. Not like you had this. I think a lot of times parents ask questions that are, they're loaded, right? Like you better give the right answer to my question. Yeah. And if you don't, then I'm going to do some telling. Yeah. (laughs) But it sounds like you're just really curious and That's good. And, you know, we have the online course, The Power of Questions. There is a time when you need to say what you need to say Mm -hmm. because we are, as parents, instructed to teach our kids. But that's it. It's long-term thinking around Mm -hmm. these quick flashes of the day where I would, where in my flesh, I would like to just quickly react and tell. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to do that. Well, yeah. And Mm -hmm. I I think it's pretty consistent in our experience that when parents are able to engage with long-term thinking and Mm -hmm. what kind of a relationship do I want to maintain and have and hold with these kids over time and... Mm -hmm. How do I want to earn influence with them? That that tends to keep connection less at risk in the relationship than it does to do the telling and and reactionary approach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Anything else that you two want to add here in connecting? We're going to circle back around connecting kids to each other because that depends so much on each child feeling loved and accepted. And we were very intentional about this because there were some schisms. There was some habitual conflict in our sibling relationships that we 
needed to be, we really wanted to be proactive mm-hmm. about. So we yeah, said, we could see resentment start yeah. to build and mm-hmm. and not wanting to be together, not wanting to work on stuff together, and sort of those quick snippy reactions to the other child mm-hmm. frequently were creeping in. Mm-hmm. And we we went on the the supposition that for kids to want to resolve conflict well, they had to value the relationship. So we put a lot of intentionality into valuing, into helping kids value relationship with each other, Mm -hmm. you know, setting them up to have sleepovers in a big, huge tent fort downstairs Mm -hmm. or special meals together, doing affirmations at dinner time, just making, you know, seeing what their favorite group activities were and supporting them, whether it was crafts or I would make props for their little videos that they would shoot, just any way that we could support Mm -hmm. their growing connection with each other. I remember the snowball fight. Oh, right. <laughs> Sticky snow, first snow of the year. Uh-huh. Kids had been maybe a little volatile with each other. We recognized an opportunity. Hey, let's go build some snow forts. Yeah. Why don't the three of you build a snow fort? We'll build a snow fort. And then uh, oh, after fun. a certain amount of time, we're going to have a snowball fight, adults against the children. And so we sort of put them <laughs> on a team together that kept mm-hmm. it light, kept it fun. If there was any sort of sense yeah. of conflict emerging, it was like, oh, you guys, you're slowing down. Are you going to build it bigger? big enough to protect you or aren't you and you know and then they'd, they'd figure it out in a hurry yeah. like resolve it and then yeah. and then we had the snowball fight we didn't I, we weren't big fans of letting them win but neither did we try to domineer or sure. or, or yeah, yeah. Be, be forceful in our winning either and you don't have to have snow to do that you can do it with paper balls you can do it with nerf guns you know all sorts of ways oh. but you can set the kids up to be a team against the adults and yeah. just have fun with it yeah. well I love that because I guess not everyone listening lives in Minnesota <laughs> In the United States, Minnesota, our snowy state. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I love that. Let's move to the third one, which is connected to our purposes Mm. in this world. And uh, I mean, my first thought when I think of that is, does my family have to have a unified purpose, you think? Or are we talking about individual purposes? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Love that, Lynn. Explain, please. Well, not have to have a unified purpose, but there Uh is a sense of we have a calling as a family, the unique pattern or mosaic that God has crafted in us, and yet each person contributes to that individually. For example. Before we give examples, uh you know, a number of different prolific Christian authors through time have said that, you know, the home is sort of like a mini church. Mm-hmm. Like it's really the first sort of place that our youngsters can experience the church, not the meet on Sunday morning from nine until noon, go to Sunday school, go to service, participate in programs kind of church, but but the actual give and take of community, communal life, sharing things, mm-hmm. sharing purposes, can, you know, figuring out how to make decisions together. The family is the forming center mm-hmm. for our spiritual belief, our spiritual sense of purpose. And, you know, to be unified as a family in the notion kingdom thinking that we are blessed by God so that we together, this unique little group, Mm -hmm. can be a blessing to other people. So that may take on a collective form from time to time. What are we as a family? What could we as a family do to be a blessing to somebody else? Sometimes it would be a question to the individuals in the family. How how were you a blessing? We used to often ask at dinner time, how were you a blessing at school Mm -hmm. today? Uh, How did you experience God's blessing for you today? Mm -hmm. And then give some individual affirmation and, and encouragement uh, around that. But it's kind of an organic, I mean, we didn't program it. It was just, it was something we made intentionality around building into our family's 
ebb and flow of everyday life. But we did choose different things, you know, to be helpful, certainly in the neighborhood. But also, I mean, we were still in chaos land with our young kids <laughs> when we kind of developed a routine of, of occasionally going to a local nursing home. The two younger ones had clipboards, paper, markers, and Daniel would go play chess with an older resident. But the two younger ones would go up to yep. one of the people in the nursing home and go, what's your favorite thing? Do you want me to draw a picture of that? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it would be, well, I can't draw that, but I could draw a flower, you know, or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. But the day that yeah. we came back for another visit and saw one of these papers still on mm-hmm. the door, mm-hmm. taped to the door of a resident from the last time, was just precious. Yeah. It just helped our kids see how much their little actions with their markers could be a blessing. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I even remember as we were forming this idea, hey, kids, what would be some ways that our family could be a blessing? And I don't know if it was our idea or the kids' idea. We could visit somebody. Well, what about the folks in the nursing home? I did that when I was young a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you were to visit people in a nursing home, what, what's it like to live there, do you think? And, oh, they're probably lonely and they probably don't see children very often. And, you know, we have these conversations with single-digit age children. Yeah. And then what would you want to do when you got there to be a blessing to these people? And mm-hmm. so, yeah, there was the chess playing, the drawing. We did some singing. And the kids participated in the planning and then the implementation of these ideas to be a blessing to these folks. And it became a pattern. So the big picture there is that... Our- in general, our purpose in this world is to be a blessing yep. to others. Mm-hmm. And that is our family purpose. But it's not only our family purpose, it's our individual right. purpose. Right. And so how does that play out? It can play out as a family coming together to serve someone mm-hmm. or individuals yeah. also. Mm-hmm. And so we as parents then can really think through that uniqueness. We talked about the Enneagram or the personality or you know all those things. Yeah. We can call out and notice all of their gifts and then work to provide opportunities yep. for them to use those as mm-hmm. a blessing yeah. to it, others. For sure. And it was actually interesting because those who've listened to Connected Families have heard Lynn and I talk about the gift gone awry. Yeah. One of our kids in particular was quite intense about the <laughs> use of technology. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I've heard this story. And, you know, it's, it's, it's tempting as a parent to just take it all away. But we just sort of subverted it. And it was like, well, you've got a, a, an intensity about this. How might you use that to be a blessing for others? And so he took his little Texas Instruments deal and started to invent games on it that he would take mm-hmm. around to the neighbor kids. And first of all, just teach them to play it because a lot of kids have this kind of technology. And then he even started teaching some of these kids how to program their computers to play mm-hmm. little games, yeah. use movie cameras to, to, to make, make movies. Not just play little games. Uh, but make, to, make, to make little games, make yeah, games. so yep. that they could be a blessing to somebody else. And mm-hmm. Pass on this idea to somebody else. But this doesn't have to be just like teens that were, or older yeah. kids that we're talking about. Yeah. This frame of reference of if my child has a gift, mm-hmm. it wasn't given to them to make me feel really good about myself as a parent. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. given to them to be a blessing. Mm-hmm. One of my just most precious moments of our early parenting years, again, this is in the midst of crazy chaos, mm-hmm. but still this paradigm, my child is blessed to be a blessing. I was sitting in church with our youngest at the time. He was upper twos, maybe early three at the most. And he could hardly talk, but boy, could he draw. And he's sitting there drawing, so he's not a disturbance. And he draws this beautiful little picture of Jesus and a heart and a cross. Instead of saying, oh, that's lovely. We'll put it on the refrigerator when we get home. I said to him, well, Noah, that's really beautiful. Why don't you ask the Lord to show you 
who you should give it to because that should would be such a blessing to somebody. Mm. So he just kind of smiles and looks at me and he hops down. We had this informal little church and he trots down and here he's got this white blonde hair, bright blue eyes, <laughs> big smile, no words. <laughs> he yeah. shows it in front of this guy, uh-huh. big guy sitting near the front and then trots and comes back and sits down. And from behind, we're watching this guy and his shoulders begin to shake. And mm-hmm. we found out later as we talked to him that he was sobbing because he was, <laughs> he, was cr- <laughs> he was crying out to God, do you even care? Do you even see me? Because oh. his business was about to go under. And so that just cemented in my mind, if a child has a gift, he's been given that gift to be a blessing. And that just framed my whole view of Noah's art talent. Mm. And he's used it all through his life to be a blessing to others. If you see our materials in the sibling course online course, he's the one that illustrated the kids' version of the peace process. Mm -hmm. And he's done so many things in which he's given his art away Mm -hmm. over the years. So, you know, each of your children have been given a gift. Mm -hmm. And what is that and how can you direct that to be used for God's purposes? Because Mm -hmm. that sense of, I am blessed and gifted for a purpose other than my parents' ego or my ego, but to be a blessing to others. It's so in harmony with how God wants us to I mean, and even if it's not for our egos, maybe we're dismissing them. Maybe we're dismissing the Mm -hmm. gifting as not really much to offer. And we can grow that in our kids from the time that they can't talk, even like Noah, you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, how how powerful is that? I love it. Mm -hmm. It applies to money, too. We worked this idea of being blessed to be a blessing into how we taught kids about money, too. And, you know, when they were young, there's this thing, you know, where parents give their kids a dollar and tell them to put it in the plate. We wanted to help them understand that, A, we're really, really blessed, you know, living in the culture and in the times and in the place we do, even though compared to some of our neighbors, we're paid pretty modestly. We're still in the top 5% of wealth in the whole world. And so let's demonstrate fiscally what it means. And we increased our giving budget one year, didn't spend it all by the end of the year. So I brought home a pile of $20 bills in the amount of about $3,000. And, and, you know, this was our means at the time and gave the kids the opportunity. They were double digits on both sides of double digit ages, probably. Why don't you think about pray about, do a little research about how to help us spend the money God has given us to be a blessing to somebody else. Yeah, they each came back. And I mean, I know a couple of our kids today, you know, in their 30s are still supporting the same causes they chose through that activity. And that just grew into an ethos of generosity, a practice of generosity that all our kids to this day still practice. And one of our kids added their own $500 to that. I love that. We did that too. We included our kids when we would give kind of larger gifts, especially to missionaries. We wanted them to know about it. We wanted them to be blessed Mm -hmm. in the knowledge of that. And even our family just took a mission trip to East Africa in the last year, and we met a pastor there and his middle school daughter, and the school fees are so high. We had a family meeting in the last week about how could we come together with our finances. And we're, as I mean, you know, my husband and I, we could pay for it, but we're not going to. We invited them to join in with their money and how much would they like to contribute in paying for her school fees next year. Mm. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, just, just good. And also mission trips. Our family has a priority of mission trips, but that's a financial commitment. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. That means we do some things and we don't do other things. Yeah. So even talking about that with our kids and why do we do that? Because we want to be a blessing. 
to others. And I want my kids to have an international worldview. There you go. <laughs> Intentional parenting. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's good. I think we've come to the end of our time wow. today. We've covered these three areas connected to God, connected to each other, and connected to our purposes in this world. I love that phrase. I would like to paint it on a wall in my house, I think. Mm. <laughs> Because it is the way that I want to live, and I know you've lived and you've modeled it so well through I want a grandstand an issue just quick before we close. What's that? I'm just aware that in our world today is so much deep need and so much incredible opportunity. And Lynn and I started feeling convicted some time ago about the mm. fact that, that, you know, we had some empty rooms in our house as we, as our kids aged out of the house. And it's pretty typical at our age to start thinking about retirement and the American dream and, you know, maybe a beach place or, uh, you know, and the, I think that we can own those things and they can be part of God's plan to use us to be a blessing to others. Mm-hmm. But when they dominate sort of how we think about things, I think that sometimes they can get in the way of this divine purpose and this divine call. And so we we decided rather than look at, you know, vacation property to, to buy a house that could fit a family in it. And, and we upsized against sort of maybe conventional advice for people our age and fiscal <laughs> resources so that we can provide space in our home. And I mean, now with the refugee situations going on around the world and there's going to be an influx, I'd invite our listeners to consider how can your family be a blessing to the least of these that Jesus said, when we do it to them, we do it to him. Mm-hmm. And if we ignore them, then we ignore him. And so there's got to be ways to find, how do you figure out how to be a blessing to these deepest needs in our in the world around us and be intentional about that and celebrate that, not out of a place of guilt, but out of a place of joy for being vehicles of God's blessing. And we've had people living with us numerous times, and it's usually been challenging in some ways Mm -hmm. or another, but it's always been so rich to welcome these families into our home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so we just challenge you. That's between you and the Lord. And ask Mm -hmm. him, and he will give you ideas, and you can walk in that. So this is a great conversation. Thanks, Jim and Lynn. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Stacey. Always fun. Thank you. Hi, friends. If you found this podcast useful, will you rate and review Doing Both is Best? That will align the algorithms so that we can reach more parents. Also, I want you to know that this conversation with Jim, Lynn, and I that we had today, it will continue. Every Monday over on Clubhouse on the app, we have live conversations where you can listen or you can raise your hand and ask a question and join in the conversation. We would love to have you join us over there. For more information, go to our show notes or go to connectedfamilies.org.